the truth, myth, or misbelief that marriage is a 50-50 proposition. And hopefully by the time we get to the end of today, we'll have a clear answer on that. Sounds good, doesn't it, church? Yeah. I mean, that sounds good. Marriage yeah. is a 50-50 proposition. So let's, let's take a look at it. Um, what we did earlier this week, Marietta and I met a couple named Kevin and Pam. And we just met them randomly at a restaurant up in Fort Worth. And I told them what we were preaching on, and they were so gracious to not only respond to what we were preaching on, but to allow me to film their reaction to what I had to say. Let's see what Kevin and Pam have to say about marriage as a 50-50 proposition. All right, this is Kevin. And Kevin, I'm going to ask you about marriage is a 50-50 proposition. What do you think about that? I think that's true. Why do you think that? It's a partnership between two people. How long have you been married, Kevin? 36 years. Awesome, man. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, 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 and who's this? What's your name? Pam. Hi, Pam. I'm going to ask you the same thing. Pam's been ma- married to Kevin. Okay, Pam, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. You do? It should be 50-50, yeah. 50-50? Yeah. Wait, why? Uh, Only me. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, it should be even, even, you know. You know everybody pitches uh-huh. in. Everybody pitches in? Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, marriage is a 50-50 proposition, and according to Kevin and Pam, at least at that point, that looks good, right? Looks good. Yeah. Partnership. Kind of like what everybody would tell us. Well, look, let us show you a couple of examples of what a 50-50 marriage might look like. We just came up with a couple of things here. Hang on just a second. I've got to get in set up. All right. Hang on. Oh. Oh. Hey. Honey. Honey. Yes? I don't don't feel good. I'm sick. Oh, you know, let me just pray for you. Be healed in Jesus' name. Well, well, thank you, honey, but I don't think it's working. I don't, th- I don't think it's working, honey. Thanks for praying for me, but I'm still feeling pretty bad. I'm, I'm really feeling sick, honey. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. Just think thoughts about Jesus. You'll okay. feel better in a little bit. Okay. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, help me. Honey, honey, I'm yes. thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about Jesus, but I'm still sick. <laughs> honey, honey, could you, could you get me some ginger ale crackers, please? That would make me feel better. Yeah, ginger ale crackers, please. Honey. Do you remember last year when I got the flu? Yeah. And you were gone, nowhere to be found. I was by myself. Yeah. And I needed some ginger ale and crackers. 
Yeah. Who got them? I did. I got my own ginger ale and crackers. Uh oh. You can get your own ginger ale and crackers. Remember, we have a fifty-fifty marriage. Oh. <coughs> okay. <laughs> let's sh- hang on just a second. Let's let's get another example going here. Oh yeah. What? You bought another gun? Yeah, baby. Check this out. This is an XLR eight nine thousand gustalizer. It's awesome. Check it. You want to see it? No, I don't want to see it. You bought another gun? It's a gustalizer. Yeah, yeah. Why would you do this? What were you thinking? You spent money on it. How much did that cost? Well, it cost two hundred and fifty dollars. What? Why would you spend two hundred and fifty dollars on another gun? Well, okay. Remember last month when you wanted to go and buy a new outfit for that charity function that you were going to attend? And I remember that when you went to the store, you spent about two hundred and fifty dollars on that outfit. And I figured, hey. The gustalizer is 250. Awesomeness! I cannot believe you spent that money on a gun. What were you thinking? Well, I figured it was 50-50, right? Oh my! <laughs> and all of you have had that discussion. <laughs> Am I on? Okay. In the course of a marriage, uh, according to the me, me, me version of the Bible, the verse might read, whatever you do, do it half-heartedly. Is that what it says? No. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it with your whole heart as to the Lord and not unto men. We do things with our whole heart. Amen? Let's see what the, let's see what the Word says about marriage. Okay. So in understanding marriage, we have to go back to the original first couple, Adam and Eve, and look at how everything was orchestrated in the very beginning that results with us right now. Genesis 1.27 says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper comparable to him. So, when we look at that word helper, it actually, in Hebrew, the word is ezer, And it comes from the root word azer, which actually means to surround, to protect, or aid, to help, or succor. Succor is defined as help, relief, or aid by the Webster's Dictionary, and it says to help or relieve in difficulty, need, or distress. Doesn't that give a whole other picture to the word helper for what God called created Eve to be for Adam. 
Going on in Genesis, God talks, let's Adam name all the animals before Eve was around. I guess there could have been some disagreement there. <laughs> so he orchestrated that without her. And then it says that God put Adam to sleep because there wasn't anyone for, suitable for him. So he put him to sleep and he took a rib, not a finger, not a toe, but a rib. And he took that rib quite differently than he did with Adam. He created Eve from that rib. With Adam, remember, he took a scoop of dirt from the ground and he breathed into it the breath of life. He formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, but not Eve. He took a rib. And then he brought her to Adam. And this explains a lot about today with men. What happened when he brought her to Adam? Well, Adam, all he had to do was see her, and he breaks out into song and he goes, Yeah, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, we don't need to say anything more there. Let's just keep moving on. Well. Okay. It was okay, good. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. And the Lord said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, the important thing that we have to realize here is that first, Adam is created in the image of God. So he has the characteristics and the qualities that God has, maybe not in his body, but in who he is. Characteristics and qualities of the Lord. And so God took the rib made Eve from the rib, and when he made her from the rib, he separated out some of those qualities and characteristics that were his, that he had put in Adam, and gave some to Eve. So together, the one flesh becomes a perfect reflection of who God is. Do you see that? Now, think about a rib. What does a rib do? It surrounds and protects our vital organs. It protects them from damage, from uh, somebody who might hit you, a car wreck. Those ribs are protecting the things inside of the core of our body. And what does a helper do? What we read earlier, surround and protect. Gives you a whole other meaning as to what... Eve's purpose was. And in that relationship, he created us together to be that one flesh couple that when operating properly, actually, we're his, we're his picture on earth. And if you look at it, well, let's take it one step further to what happened on the cross. The very last thing done to somebody on the cross, besides taking them down, regardless of who they were, was to ensure that they were dead before they were taken down. And the way they did that was they pierced their side with a spear. Out of Christ, all the torture he endured and everything that happened to him, leading up to the cross, including the nails in his hands and his feet, they pierced his side. And out of that piercing, his final death, 
the death, the end, his physical body's death, out of that was born the church. Similar to out of Adam was born Eve. And God uses that metaphor of marriage all the way through his word to describe himself, to describe Jesus, the bridegroom, and the church, the bride. So we have to pay attention. There's something super important about marriages. They're not to be entered into lightly, nor are they to be just there. But they're to be worked on and nurtured the way that Christ nourishes and works on us as the church. No message about marriages would be complete if we didn't touch on this scripture that's on the screen right now. That is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, chapter 5, the second half of the chapter where God, speaking through Paul, really paints a picture of what a marriage is supposed to look like. So I want to read this, and and as we read this passage very quickly, I'm going to ask the husbands in the audience to kind of help me out as we go along, and we're going somewhere with this. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. I'm going to ask all the husbands in here to say, I love my wife. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives. I love my wife. I love my wife. As their own bodies. He who loves his wife, I love my wife, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall be live, leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then Paul says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife, I love my wife, I love my wife, as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now there's a lot going on in this passage. A lot. But really I want to leave you with just extract three concepts here that we need to look at very closely. The first one is that men, husbands, we are commanded four times in this passage to love our wives. Four times. Think about that. If God is commanding us, me, to love my wife, what does that say for love? Well, number one, it removes it from the cultural concept of love. 
Love can therefore no longer be a feeling because God is commanding it. And I can tell you that God is not going to command anything that I can't do. Amen? So, therefore, I am being commanded by the Lord God Almighty to love Marietta. If I'm being commanded, I'm going to make, it, make a decision and choose to ex- follow that commandment. I am going to love my wife. Number three, the passage says that we will leave our father and our mother, we will be joined to our wife, and we will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I speak concerning Christ and the church. So once this passage was spoken by the Lord, what God is actually telling us is that Christ now becomes our standard in regards to how we relate to each other in this marriage relationship. Do you see that? Now, that's a very high standard. There's no doubt about it. A huge standard for us to meet. And let's take a look and see how that standard might work in our relationship. Here's some characteristics of marriage. And what we're going to look at is how they fit if we with Jesus and the church, but they also fit within our marriage. The first one is committed. Jesus was committed. From the moment he got to earth as a man until he was nailed upon that cross, he was committed. He was God. He could have left. He could have called some angels. He could have disappeared. He could have become invisible. But no, he stayed. He was committed. Even when the going got tough, he was committed. Too often I hear people say today that if they get married, they can always get divorced if it doesn't work. And I know you've probably heard someone say that too, that if it doesn't work out, I'll just get a divorce. It's no big deal. That's going into a marriage without a commitment. The commitment has to be I'm staying regardless. I'm staying to the end. Unless, of course, and I'm going to give a little caveat here that I didn't tell the earlier service, unless we're, we have some, um, unless we have true abuse going on. Not you hurt my feeling abuse, but true abuse. Then we've got to talk. But in an otherwise normal situation, you have to be committed. Another characteristic of what Jesus brings to the standard of marriage is a sacrificial approach. Sacrifice means, the, dex, the dictionary definition would simply say that I am valuing someone else as better than myself. Jesus was sacrificial. And in a lot of ways, we don't necessarily consider how sacrifice can actually work in our, in our marriages, but I want to kind of give an illustration, a personal illustration that occurred to me Uh, just several months ago. Uh, A number of months ago, I think some of you are already aware of this, I had um, both of my knees reconstructed. And it was a very extensive surgery. Um, They weren't replaced. They were literally reconstructed where the tendons were rerouted and and, and the the bone segments were shaved and cleaned and and, uh, they extracted bone marrow from both of my hips and they centrifuged that bone marrow and put stem cells in there and there was all kinds of things that were going on and it was a long surgery and even though it was a long surgery 
it's typical today that they let you go. And so Marietta drove me home after the surgery. And one of the instructions that she had at post-surgery, and I, I, was, I, I had some good medication, I'm just telling you. So I only remember part of this, but, but um, anyway, one of the instructions that I had was they gave me this machine that pumped ice water through a pad, and it circulated this ice water around my knee. And so the instruction was, and it got super cold, and my knees were really big and swollen. And the instruction was every hour that Marietta would have to take this pad, and it was somewhat complicated, and she would take it, and she would make sure that my ice machine was full of ice, and she would put the pad on the other leg. Every hour, on the hour, for at least the first two days. And then, and then after that, we got to go to two hours, I think. Right. right? Anyway... So here's what I do remember. I remember Marietta, the first couple of days that I'm home and I'm laying there in bed and I'm on those good drugs. And she puts her headphones with her iPhone. She puts her headphones in and I I said, well, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm setting my alarm and I don't want to disturb you. And so she would sleep with the headphones in. And every hour on the hour, Marietta, because she doesn't do anything halfway, would get up. And I do remember looking down at the bed every once in a while. It might be 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd look down and, and the bed covers would be pulled up over my legs. And Marietta would be down there and she would really be very carefully, because it hurt like crazy, moving that pad from one side to the other. And I thought, man, this is a picture. You know, Marietta is sacrificing any rest that she's getting for me. And it's just a great picture of how we're supposed to operate sacrificially within the confines of our marriage relationship. And I'm a blessed man because I had a woman that was willing to do that. (laughs) You know, Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. When we didn't know him, we didn't call on his name as our Lord and Savior, he loved us. He died for us without condition. He did that unconditionally. And in our marriages, we have to have a mindset of it isn't what we do is not dependent upon what the other one does. So when Greg was unable to be a husband and walk and do other things, I had to keep serving him. That's part of who I'm called to be as his wife. And there's many times where I've been down and he served me the same way, not with an ice machine and all that. We have to live our marriages with grace, just the way God, God sent Jesus to do here. He lived a life of love and forgiveness. The same way that we have to live our marriages filled with love and forgiveness. Because they go hand in hand. We have to esteem others better than ourselves. And we do a lot of marriage uh, training, two on two, one couple and us. I can't tell you how many people that have a hard time taking the scriptures and applying it to their their marriage. We have to esteem our husband or wife as better than ourselves. 
that's new revelation for a ton of people. And uh, Greg has done that for me, and I, I can't even tell you how many different ways, but probably the, the most interesting way is, um, well, let me just start from the beginning. When I was a little girl, I loved music and I loved to dance. And so one of my favorite things to do was to get my brother's 45s. Okay, I'll tell you guys about 45s later, you younger people. Um, and pull him out of his bedroom, because one was 11 years older than me, so I would go get those out of his room. And I'd put them on my cheap old record player thing in my bedroom. And I would get my sister and my friends together, and I would choreograph uh, dances. And the favorite, my favorite one was Maybelline by Chuck Berry. Don't even ask me why, but that was my favorite song. And even today, it just brings bad memories of being a kid. And so I'd take that CD, and I'd make these dances up, and then we'd entertain my mother with these dances. And it changed constantly. I don't even know how my mother could listen to that song that many times, but she did. And as I grew up, I loved to dance, and I did things that involved a lot of dancing. And then I married a man who did not dance. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, we won't even go there. But, <laughs> sorry, honey. What? But you couldn't go ahead. dance. Go ahead. Okay. It's like, I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> keep keep so, so we were... So, Quick, please. So the health club where we worked out, there was a little sign-up sheet that you could sign up for this group dance lesson. And I'm like, oh, man, I really want to do this because maybe somebody could teach him to dance. So I, I asked Greg, look, let's sign up. It's, it's ballroom dancing. It'll be fun. There'll be other couples. Can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it, please? And I gave him the wife look, and he said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, it was more like, it was more like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> And so I kind of thought, oh, well, I tried. But a few days later, he came to me and he said, you know, I think we can take that dance class. I was like, who is this man? And what did he do with my husband? Because I couldn't even imagine Greg wanting to dance. And we went to go to the instructor called us and said that nobody signed up for the dance class, so they weren't going to have the class. But he would be willing to give us private lessons, and the cost was less than a meal. I couldn't believe it. It was so cheap, and Greg said yes. We took those lessons for over 10 years until our instructor retired at the end of last year at the age of 98. And Greg became an awesome dancer. Did you see that knee action? <laughs> He esteemed me as better than himself. He didn't want to go in there and make a fool of himself. God worked it out to no one signed up for the class. <laughs> go ahead. Keep on knocking. Okay. You know, God left us the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he left us the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to give us strength and, and help us face another day. And each of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the Holy Spirit available to us for that.
In our marriages, what that looks like is encouraging one another to be the best we can be, both as individuals and in our one flesh relationship. And if people who are dating, I don't know if there's anybody dating in here, maybe a couple people. If you're dating and you don't bring out the best of each other, move on, because that's not the one for you. We have to also go to a point to where our decision-making is not about me in a marriage, but it's about the whole. So even though um, I might want something or need something, if it doesn't benefit us as a couple, if it doesn't help us together, it really isn't necessary. Does that make sense? So if um, I can't make selfish decisions for myself, and be, be the one who's benefited, the only one that's benefiting. For instance, I would like to go with Pastor Allen and Vet to Cozumel. Anybody else? <laughs> but it would not be beneficial for me to go by myself to Cozumel without Craig. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where that example came from. Well, it's like maybe I want to go to Cozumel. No, I'm <laughs> A little bit scary. Okay. And we have to, you know what? Jesus was super flexible. He was at home talking on a mountain to thousands of people or sitting at a well talking to one single woman. He was flexible. Amen. And in our marriages, we have to be flexible. So when my bedtime is a normal time, but Greg needed me to wrap that thing around his leg and, and, and be there for him, I had to give up my sleep. I had to be flexible. I had to do it with a cheerful heart when I was conscious. <laughs> the last characteristic is actually what I talked about earlier with that passage from Ephesians 5, and that is that we have to operate beyond our feelings. We have to choose to love and to engage and to relate. Even though, and this happens rarely, but on occasion, even though sometimes I don't feel like it, I still have to choose to love Marietta. I'm just telling it like it is, folks. I am. Right? <laughs> sure, sometimes yeah, it's more difficult than others for us to relate to each other. But I'm still going to choose to love her because I'm commanded to do exactly that. Let's take a look at a, a video that we made just to have a little bit of fun, everybody look at the video screen. Let's take a look and see what would happen if we decided to just operate with our feelings. Go ahead. Hello, everybody. This is Perry White, and we're out here at the 101st running of the, of the Tour to Crescent Classic Marathon, 101st running, and I'm hoping to break through the crowds here, folks, and, and maybe we'll get a chance to speak, to speak with Steve Spadinsky. You all know Steve Spadinsky. He was the favorite to win the marathon here today. He's run the Mount Kilimanjaro Classic and also the Pikes Peak Climb. And he, yeah, yeah, there he is, folks. I think it's it's our hero, Steve Spadinsky. Hey, Steve. Oh. Hey, Perry, Perry. No, no pictures. Down at the shoes. Please. Okay. All right. All right. Whoa. Oh, Whoa. Right. Yeah. Wow. Those are some nice shoes. Yeah. Wow. I guess you're sponsored by the 100% Fast Shoe Company. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, well, I'm, the, I'm fast, and these are the best. Wow, that's pretty impressive. 
Well, anyway, let me talk to you about the race today, Steve. I mean, you had kind of a tough go out there. You started off strong. Everything looked good. And then you just kind of gave out and started walking. I mean, what happened, Steve? Well, I did start out strong. I went up that hill and, and felt good. But, you know, boy, it was a hot day and I was getting tired. You know, I, I just didn't feel like it anymore. I had tried hard. And haven't you ever done anything and you... Suddenly, you just didn't feel like it anymore. So I, I decided it was worth... I, I wasn't going to put 100%. I was going to put in 50% today. You mean to tell me that even though you're our hero and your shoes say 100% fast shoe company on them, that you decided to only give 50%? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's all about how I feel. And today, that's how I felt. So you only felt like giving 50%. Is that right, that, Steve? That, that's right. That's, that's well, it. Okay. All right. I guess I can understand that. I've heard other people say that they only wanted to give 50%. Oh, by the way, look, look over there. Here comes your, here comes your shoe sponsor. Give me back those shoes. You, we're the 100% shoe company, not the 50% because I don't feel like a 100% shoe company. You are not our spokesperson anymore. Give me back those shoes. Oh, my gosh, Steve. I am so sorry. It looks like you, the race wasn't the only thing you lost here in Hood County because you decided to only give 50%. <laughs> You only decided to give 50%. So, what? I, I'm not I, I thought that was fun. <laughs> Wasn't it fun? Okay. Huh? Yeah. It was fun. You get the point? <laughs> <laughs> and then the final point is to give your whole self. Christ gave his whole self from the very beginning to his very end, only yeah. 33 years here on this planet, he gave his whole self. And in our marriage, we have to give all we have. You know, it's interesting because sometimes the Holy Spirit really goes to work. And so um, I got a chance to visit um, with Kevin and Pam a little bit. And, and we were just talking. We were just visiting about things. I wasn't filming anything. And... After we visited for a little bit, Kevin says, you know what? I've thought about it, and I have a different answer for you. And I said, well, do you want me to film it? And he said, yeah, I want to I film it. So here's what, here's what Kevin had to say after he had a chance to think. But what I want you to know is that Greg didn't talk to him about this. Not he wanted to know where we were from. And he told us a little bit about himself, but there was no discussion. So this truly was the Holy Spirit. We did not know these people. We have no clue who they were. Greg embarrassed me in a restaurant going, I'm going to go talk to that couple in the corner and say, can I film you on my... I was like, oh my gosh, I'm hiding. <laughs> it was awesome. But it was the Holy Spirit. It saved me from having to do this at Walmart. Hey, here's Kevin again. He's got a little bit more thinking about this. Go ahead, Kevin. Marriage is actually 100-100. Okay. Why do you say that? Well, husband and wife both have to be in at 100%. That's, that's good. You can't be in it halfway. 
And how long have you been married? 36 years. 36 years. So by giving 100%, that's how you stay married. Is that right? Every time. Every time. That's awesome. What did you say? What did you write? By giving 100%, that's how you stay married. 36 years. 50-50 doesn't equal 100. 100 equals 100. <laughs> I think that's some good thinking. Right. It is. Yeah. And what you would say, you know, yeah. you're thinking it, but it's hard no. for me to get it out. The whole, the whole point is that you have to give 100. You, you, you have to give your whole self. You can't give her half, me half, and think that it equals 100. Awesome. It does. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. That's God. Bring in revelation. So I think, don't you think, that we have decided and pretty well successfully proven through the scripture and some examples that marriage is a 50-50 proposition is actually a myth, a misbelief. Would you agree? Okay, so marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. That's right, it's not. You know what we ought to do? What? Get rid of it! Burn it up! Yeah, yeah! Yeah, yeah! Awesomeness! Okay. And I think that we can all agree that it really is an everything, everything. All and all. No holding back. Life until death proposition. Yes? Amen. Amen. And through our, through our funny examples and things, we hope you see the seriousness behind a marriage. That it's not to be taken lightly, like we said earlier. It has to be nurtured and worked on constantly. You can't just let it go. Yeah. What we'd like to do is we recognize that some people may not have been giving 100% or I don't even like to say 100. I like to say all. May not have been giving all in your marriages. Or, Maybe. Or, or you might have felt like that you were giving all, but you see a new level that you can walk into. Right. And so we'd like, if you want, um, we'd like as a declaration for you to stand if you want today to be a day that you give 100, all of yourself, everything you have, every time, whether it's only this much, like when Greg was down with his knees, or this much when he took me dancing for dance lessons, right? You give all that you have all the time. And we'll just say a prayer over you as a group. We won't call anybody out to come up here. So, so. if you would like to just... Rededicate yourself to, to giving all in your marriage. Just stand up right where you're at, and we'll just we'll just make a declaration of, of prayer over you. Nothing. You're not standing up. Wow! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Awesome. Let me just pray over all of you as we close this message. Well, Lord God, I just thank you for the the men and women, the husband and wives that we see standing up around this auditorium this morning, Father. I thank you, Lord God, that you are indeed a God of relationship 
and that you desire to dwell in the midst of these marriage relationships, Lord. I think that you, Lord God, that you are a God of restoration and where one or the other partners in these in these relationships may have felt like maybe they've fallen short, Lord, that you restore their heart, Lord God, to to give a hunt, everything that they have, more than they could even expect, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you provide these husbands and these wives with endurance and perseverance, grace, love, mercy, Lord God, strength when they feel like they have no more strength, Father God. But you are their source, Lord, for all that they need to operate as a mighty one flesh couple in this world, Lord, to the glory of your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord God, I ask that you would bless each and every one of these people around the auditorium, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that as they walk out of here this morning, Lord, that they will feel renewed by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that they will look upon their partners, Father God, their their husbands and their wives with new eyes, Lord, recognizing what a wonderful gift you have given them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Bless these couples, Lord God. Thank you for this message, Lord. We just give you praise for all that you do for us. Thank you for coming and dwelling in the midst of our relationships. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thanks. Thank Thanks you. so much, everybody. Thank you.